0: Um, I guess I want to start it with Chandler, because, you know, Joe, you're doing phenomenal things. Big guy, you know, ranked real ranked, like one of the top middleweights in UFC, so it's such an honor to speak with you as well. But I wanted to start with Chandler about what it's like working with Joe.
1: I mean, Joe and I, it's funny, it doesn't really feel like work with Joe. Joe helped me find my passion in life, you know? We were both in high school together. We were both athletes. Um, And as I grew up and got in college, I started working with cameras more, working with film more. And one summer back, I believe it was like my second year of college, um, I was back in Philadelphia and I contacted Joe like, hey, let's film stuff with my new camera. And it was in that process of filming with Joe that I kind of got hooked on uh, filmmaking. You know, his story is so unique and powerful. And I I remember the first time I made like a quick one minute video for Joe and sent it to him. He was like, yo, we're gonna do big things together. And I was hooked that day. So working with Joe doesn't really feel like work because it's something that I love doing. And it's, I'm not only am I doing something that I love doing, I'm doing it for a friend. You know, it's not like he's my boss or, you know, there's like, you know, harsh deadlines or anything. Like I'm just trying to help out a friend with his amazing talents, with the talents that I have to help amplify his talents.
0: And how many um, UFC fighters have you worked with thus
1: far? Well, it's funny. That is kind of what Joe got going for me. So back in college when I made, I made a, a documentary on Joe in 2019. And that kind of jumpstarted my whole career back in the day. So I got signed to a sports agency, the same sports agency that Joe signed to. And he set me up with that job. And through that, I was able to work with a lot of high-level UFC fighters like, you know, Tony Ferguson, Ioana Young um, others like that. But in the back of my head, I just wanted to keep working with Joe. And now that Joe's in the UFC, it's like everything's truly come full circle for me.
0: Nice. And so, Joe, on this journey that you've had, what an amazing journey you've had. You've had some bouts with homelessness, and then you talk about how you want to give back to younger people and be a role model, so to speak. What is it like working with Joe, I mean, with Chandler?
2: Well, one, I don't want to be a role model. I want to be an inspiration because I'm not, I'm not fit to be a role model. I don't hold myself in that regard, but you know, I do want to inspire kids and the youth to just keep on pushing and uh, you know, find that passion, find that love for something that, makes them, you know, push beyond their, their their unknown limits. But as far as working with Chandler, it's always been a pleasure. It's never been a complaint. You know, I've never gotten a highlight or worked with him and, and been unhappy with something. Um, I've never had to critique him. I've never had to be like, yeah, I don't like this or I want you to change this. You know, he delivers the message because we have a friendship first and foremost. I think he understands me, me as a person, the things that make me tick, the things I like, the things I don't like. So he really kind of dresses up my highlights, my life, the way I, uh, you know, kind of express it and the way I believe in living life. So it's cool. Um, I'm very appreciative for him uh, and of him and his work and his skills and talents. And, uh, you know, aside from that, I get to call him a true friend. And, uh, you know, I'll I'll always be forever grateful for that. And I'm glad that, you know, we've been able to not just uh, help each other, but stay real true friends um, aside from business.
0: And speaking of things that make you tick, what are some of those things that make you tick?
2: I'm not going to tell you those things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because, I mean, you had an opportunity to fight some of the most prestigious fighters in your division. And you said to yourself, let me slow down. Let me take a seat back and, uh you know, I guess get a rhythm and also um, not rush it. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm 26 years old, man. I have plenty of time to fight. And, uh, you know, part of what Disruptive has stepped in and been, you know, the biggest role model for me in my journey moving forward is being able to alleviate some of that pressure to feel like I have to fight because I need money versus fighting because I love what I'm doing. You know, Uh, it makes it a little bit easier. Not everybody starting out like me has that uh, position or opportunity. And that's exactly what this is with Disruptive. You know, for each other is an opportunity uh, to grow uh and mature and build my brand and uh you know my brand is my name you know so that's what's most important and i represent myself very well you know i'm not an alcoholic i'm not a drug addict i've never done drugs and you know i wear my heart on my sleeve and i'm very open for the most part with the things that i want to be open about and you know then there's always going to be that reserve uh because i think certain things are private and personal but yeah i mean it's been great so far and uh i have no need to rush my career i don't want to end up dead and broke and uh ashamed of what i could have done you know so i'll take my time i'll make it make sense and uh whether it makes sense to anybody else it's not my concern you know
0: right. And in terms of building your brand can you elaborate some of the types of things you would like to build your name out your brand out with
2: uh i mean when i say build my brand it's like what does my name stand for when you think of my name joe Pyfer, what do you think of are you going to think of exciting fights or are you going to think about you know, a guy that's going to go out there and point fight or be boring or, or things like that. When I say build my brand, I'm the complete package. I can talk, I can speak, I can talk shit because I don't like anybody I fight and I always will. I will always hate everybody that I fight, but I always will have the utmost respect for each and every person, whether I think they're good or they're not. You know, this is a sport and, you know, I wish to never hurt somebody to the point that they can't recover, but As far as in that cage, I'm going to put permanent damage on people. You know, having experienced my own injury of something that I'll have to carry on, arthritis as I get older. And, you know, let's not forget, I've been in this game for over 20 years. So it's like I got to make these shots count while I have it. And, um, you know, also, you know, building my brand is partnering with big-time sponsors and carrying myself in a certain fashion that will land me those deals while also having the resources of, you know, Alex Davison, Disruptive, and their whole team, you know, working for me while I'm not working. That's that's what's very pivotal in my career right now is having people working for me while I'm not doing anything, train.
0: Nice. And what do you guys think that's what's the glue that bonds you guys together? What's What makes it so synergistic for the two of you? Me and Chandler? Yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say there's like a a specific bond other than just maybe a basic understanding of what each other's role is, and that's to push each other to be better. And, uh, you know, he's always given me encouragement along my career, through the ups, through the downs, through the highs, through the lows, you know what I mean? He's still been my friend first and foremost. So uh, aside from all the, the bullshit love that comes with this game, you know, all these interviews and things like that, me and him have. Before any of this, we've always been true friends. So uh, I would just say maybe the bond, if there is a synergy there or whatever, it comes from, started from the bottom and now we're here, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Chandler, so you I know you've probably been on uh, shoots or productions that have had tons of, you know, crew
2: members on there.
0: I noticed that you guys use a very uh, less evasive or skeleton crew type of format. What, um, what gave, when did you notice that that worked In your to your best interest and what you're trying to achieve versus a larger crew.
1: Well, you know, a lot of the things about this documentary specifically was it was a chance for me to prove myself and show what I can do. And when you're in that position in your career, like I I have had a successful career so far and worked with high-level people, but when it comes to making a feature-length documentary, right? It's something that's over an hour long and having that undertaking typically you do have a few cameramen, you have a few editors, you have a colorist, you have you know, producers. And for this, I, because of my relationship to Joe, I really did have to do everything, but that's how I wanted to do this. Right. Like some of the content of this film is so, you know, it's weird talking about it sometimes in a sense of a story, but it's devastating. Right. Like when I'm putting to this documentary, like there are times in I'm crying, making it like this stuff is brutal. It's devastating. It's awful. And I, I didn't live it like Joe did, but I was, for lots of it, I was his friend during it. So reliving that trauma, I don't think me passing this off to an editor, no matter how talented they are, they could be the best editor in the world. They weren't there with me when this horrible thing, I don't want to spoil it, but like this horrible thing happens to Joe. Like I'm the best person to convey the emotion of that probably besides Joe himself. So I think that for me, being able to work kind of on my own in this situation. It lets me work faster because so I don't have to run things by people. I, I know what I want. And the only person whose approval I care about is Joe's. It's his story. So he was the first person to watch it when I finished it. And as long as he said it was good, then I'm like, all right, I'll refine the fine edges of what I know need to be better as a filmmaker, but it's his story. So if it resonates with him, then I did my job.
0: And Joe, how did what what was going through your mind or what was the first impression that you had when you first reviewed the film
2: uh speechless emotional and speechless you know like sad and uh you know kind of dumbfounded to find the words to express what it meant exceeding you know he exceeded my expectation so it kind of leaves you in like a speechless moment of like man all i can say is that's the best thing i've ever seen and it's not because it's my own story um i think it's relatable so it brings out a a special emotion but i think if i was just a stranger sitting on the couch that happened to come across this, I think I would have cried regardless. And the best part of it all is this isn't a sob story to make you cry. This is uh Hey, this is what this person had to go through to be able to get to the UFC. And not many people know that there is no blueprint to get there. Uh, and it's kind of like a draft. You got to make some noise until you finally get selected. And then, you know, that's like a very hard shot to get. And then let alone I had to do it two different times, you know? Yeah. I would say speechless. And, uh, he exceeded my expectations by a long shot.
0: How long? And you mentioned two different times. Can you um, elaborate on those two different times that it took you to get into the UFC?
2: Yeah, the one where I broke my arm and the one where I won.
0: Right. And what was going through your mind um, when you broke your arm? Because I was watching some footage on that, and that scared the hell out of me, honestly. Because, you know, like like we all know, UFC is brutal. What was going through your head when that happened? Besides, I'm sure you you spoke about the adrenaline rush of that, but what else went through your head? when you uh experience that
2: i mean the immediate thought upon losing is one what the fuck just happened to my arm and two like that's it like i know i'm getting carted out of here and i'm not going to get a chance to correct what just happened i know that the the road just based off the pain is going to be excruciating it's going to be a long fucking journey to get back there and i might not get a second chance so uh, i would say a lot of doubt in that very moment a lot of concern you know a lot of nerves a lot of just mind floating everywhere like man is this really it Did i just spend 18 years of my life at that time chasing something that i'm not gonna attain and uh you know it makes you question a lot of things that you've done but you know that's just in the moment heated the moment and very upset you know you got to remember too I, I, I like people don't understand when you lose you don't you don't get to say what's up to the boss man you get carded at or that's it get out they don't give a shit so uh yeah i mean i would say a very dark you know panic is what I was feeling in that moment.
0: And how did you pull yourself out of that dark panic?
2: Uh, I think friendships, I think friendships really mattered. You know, Chandler being specific, you know, he immediately had texted me. Um, I don't even know if it was within an hour, but there was a couple of paragraphs about, Hey man, like this is a building block. I'm so like, I'm so gutted for you, but you're going to come back and this is only going to make you stronger. And I still believe that you can do it. You know, that was an immediate reaction to what had just happened. You know, he never lost the faith. My wrestling coach that I lived with never lost the faith. You know, a, a lot of people did lose the faith too as well. You know what I mean? I think what pulled me out of it is knowing that my, my spot is never guaranteed and I have to fight every day to own it and have it. And uh, if I want to attain it, I'm going to have to go to a new depth that I've never been uh, and dig even deeper into my character to really find out how bad I wanted this. And, uh, you know, nobody will ever tell me in my life that I wasn't self-confident that I wasn't, you know, built for this because let's be honest, disruptive is in the picture because I built myself because I made myself stand out because I refused to quit because Chandler and I sat together and made this, you know? Um, and because I think they recognize there's a certain thing I like to say, like you can watch a certain fighter and you might not feel shit, uh, watching them. But when I come out, I think there's a certain energy. I think there's a certain nervousness when you're watching me because I'm coming to do something big. I'm not one of these guys that's coming out here to play the point game. I think anybody that knows me, anybody that follows me, truly knows me, knows my career, knows that I come out to win big. And I come out to win big or lose big. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's an excitement. And, um, you know, I think pulling myself out of a dark hole is just knowing that I'm a dog that will keep attacking until I've got no more life in me. So until I take my last breath, I think this is what I'm meant to do. And I believe that with all my heart. I think that's what carried me through in the end. Having good friends that I could rely on, you know, uh, good mentors and uh, above all, a resilience and a self-belief that was, you know, undoubtedly wanting to get back in there and prove everybody wrong.
0: And what do you think you get this resilience from uh, or this ability to be so, pa- this passion and this uh, this heart? I, like, I think, you know, a good fighter can train all day long, but they don't have the heart to get back in the ring and the heart to get back after, you know, being... Uh, defeated or feeling defeated that's where it all comes from do you feel like that you were instilled that from parents or from family or is that something that
2: i think i uh i think i got a good installment of you know grit and toughness from my parents you know going through uh an abusive childhood i definitely think shapes you to be strong absolutely but i also it's a mixture of everything i also think it's a part of my mentality it's a part of my mental strength it's a part of how i view life you know, I, I really am afraid to die one day and, uh, you know, I'm 26 years old, but I never thought I would live to be 26 years old. So now that I'm 26 years old. I'm like, that's going by fast. And I never want to be, you know, if I, if I'm lucky enough to live long, um, I never want to be old and look back and know that I didn't live while I was young. So I don't want to be old and look back and be like, man, I was just, I was so scared walking to that cage that I, I didn't pull the trigger. I didn't let it go. I didn't, I didn't talk my shit. I didn't reach out to the sponsor. I didn't talk to this person. I didn't say what I wanted to feel. Well, uh, I didn't say what I wanted to say because I was worried about how somebody might think of me. You know what I mean? I'm very unforgiving that I don't give a shit if you like me. I don't care if my mom likes me. I don't care if my dad likes me. I'm past that. I'm a grown man. Now I've matured. And uh, I know what drives me is, is my own ambition, my own goals, my own desires. And I think it's my mental strength as to why I'm so resilient because Um, I have a healthy fear for wasting this one life that I have to live. So I'm going to send it and I'm going to crack as many people's faces as I can and get paid and uh, secure my financial future.
0: Amen. Amen to that. And then Chandler, for you, you know, as somebody who directs projects and films and things of this nature, what do you feel like you've gotten your ability or your innate ability to be able to uh, push people and drive and show support and nurture relationships like the one you you have at Joe? Because of course, you know, like we all know, you know, a good director is, is someone who can inspire and lead. Where do you feel like you've gotten those um, attributes from?
1: I mean, I don't think there's really anything that I did to help Joe besides be there, right? So like, I can't take credit for any of his success whatsoever. But when it comes to Uh, what makes me be able to get that emotion out in film I think honestly it's because I I care a lot shoot I don't really know how to even elaborate that on that but like when Joe is walking out you know after breaking his arm for his comeback fight I want everyone who's watching that to feel the same way that I felt watching that Um, and I think that's the part that comes easy to me is You know, I'm I'm watching his comeback fight. I'm like, yo, this is, this could be it. Like, I want to throw up. I want to cry at the same time. I want to scream. You know, he wins. I'm crying of happiness. Like, I need people to feel what I felt in those moments. So in works with Joe, it becomes really easy for me because I was there for a lot of it. Obviously not in the childhood stuff. I wasn't there. But for moments where I was there, you know, it's just trying to replicate what I felt in that moment because... I care so much about the outcome um, and just replicating that feeling.
0: And then can either one of you elaborate or speak to disruptive sports group and how it it became and I guess how it came into fruition? Like how did the whole program start?
2: Yeah, well, so I have a great management company and Boyd Pearson with Vader Sports is who I'm under and uh, Mike Vespa. So those those are my managers and I've been with them. They're the only company I ever signed with, the only manager I've ever had. And I've had the fortunate ability to be able to say that I care about them outside of, again, business, you know, so I, I really do consider them a friend. I know they say don't mix friends and business, but, you know, I know that person cared about me at my lowest and never took a dime from me at my lowest, you know, And even when I was on winning streak, you know, those people never took a penny from me. Um, understanding that I didn't make, you know, hardly anything. So, you know, Lloyd was uh, in conversations with uh, Alex Davis and Alex Davis wanted to branch out with his company and really start to like support professional MMA fighters. And, you know, they could have picked anybody, man. They literally could have picked anybody. This man is super successful and on a stature that you probably wouldn't believe as far as success uh, as far as you know financial success, and um, but you know through all that, the man is a very uh, relatable good human being that will have a conversation uh, like we are having now and, and listen and you know give feedback. So uh, I was really appreciative of that. Lloyd really brought it to my attention and it seemed to make sense. It seemed to fit with what we are trying to do and what I have the capabilities of producing as a future superstar in the UFC. Um, you know, I haven't even scratched the surface, uh, you know, being only 2-0 and in the UFC. So, uh, you know, we plan to take this to the next level um, that other fighters haven't because they have uh, infinite resources and they are really willing to explore every option possible to give me the best possible chance to succeed. So. Alex Davis with disruptive sports group, uh, I think is going to be that key that key figure in really like elevating my career past you know all these other guys that have to you know fight twenty fucking fights to just get recognized
0: and can you talk about your um or speak to your workout regimen and um I guess and yes yeah, let's hear about your workout regimen I know you say you talk about cardio and you know all the fundamentals of that, but I would love to know more about your workout regimen because I think it's very important that people you reiterate that because, um, obviously it gets you through. I mean, you re you, you feel like you have 99% or more. You, have you gained the strength and the the use of your um, arm since the injury, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I wouldn't fight if I didn't think I could, uh, you know, come back a hundred percent. Obviously it's not as straight as it used to be, but for anybody that thinks it's going to be a problem, step in there with me. So yeah, I mean, my training regimen is very brutal. It's very, uh, rigorous and, uh, You know, I'm not going to put it out there for everybody to copy it because I don't give a shit if anybody else is successful unless they're on my team. You know, so but yeah, I mean, I have a rigorous schedule. I have great coaches and team Marquez, you know, Jonathan Webb, Jiu-Jitsu coach. uh, And I also have pursuit training, which is my strength conditioning coach. So, yeah, I mean, I have the I have the best possible tools in my area to succeed and I will keep utilizing and, and taking advantage of those people and their skills and their, their mentorship and their coaching as, as long as I feel like I keep growing and, and getting better then I'm just going to keep with what I got you know if it's not if it's not broken don't fix it is what they say so yeah I love where I'm training I love who I'm training with and I get very good very good looks uh, obviously I have stellar teammates and Sean Brady you know Jeremiah Wells and Andre Petrosky who I've trained with for almost 10 years so uh, the bodies are there you know we got some really dangerous up-and-comers and my teammate Igor Jose Soto and we got a lot of young, bro, we got a lot of talent here. We got a lot of talent. There's no shortage of bodies. and There's no shortage of, you know, training teammates. And uh, a lot of people that you don't know their name now, you will know their name soon because, you know, I'm not just one of these guys that are hyping their team, but we have a lot of really, really, really talented kids that are pro-level fighting in amateurs.
0: <laughs> and Jeff, uh, now, Chandler, when you guys went on, I guess, began the journey, did you do a lot of pre, was there a lot of pre-production involved? did you find yourself doing tons of storyboards and did you have a script so to speak or how was that that?
1: i've done two feature-length documentaries before this one but one of them was on joe from five or six years ago for when i'm working with joe it's kind of like all those normal rules about filmmaking are kind of thrown out the window because this is so close to me right so like I do have storyboards for this film um, to organize the pacing and when certain things happen. And okay, if I want to keep it at 70 minutes long, when should this main event happen? When should this event happen? When should we slow it down? When should we speed things up? But I knew what I was going to do, like, you know, the whole time these things are happening. So when Joe wins his comeback fight, I know, I already kind of know what music I'm going to put there, what emotional cues I want to go there, you know? When Joe won his UFC debut in spectacular fashion, like I basically went home and made the end of the film that day. When I got home, I knew exactly that. That's how I want to do it. So, I do think that in terms of filmmaking, I'm very um, fundamental when it comes to storyboarding and planning things out. But when it comes to Joe, in a in a more pure way, I kind of get to throw those rules out the window and just sit down and make what I experienced. You know, it's just a little bit different with him.
0: Nice. And have you, uh, and uh, what's the response that you've received from some of your colleagues or some of your your, um, yeah, your colleagues and some of the people on your team and not on your team that, are, that you speak to in the industry? How, what's the kind of response that you've gotten about, your, about the film?
1: All fantastic, which always makes me really happy. Just when anybody, even in interviews like this where I get to talk to someone who's seen it, even at our premiere, I mean, how many times have I watched it now? Probably over a thousand. Um, When it comes to editing together every frame, you know, I've probably spent 10 minutes on every second of that film or more. So hearing other people's opinions on it when I've been so close to it that I almost can't see it anymore is always great. And when I first finished it, Joe's the first person who watched it, but then I have to send to people who are maybe not as into the UFC or people who are deep into filmmaking and other documentary filmmakers to get their takes on things that can tweak Um, because it can't just be one person's opinion. Obviously, I'm a director. It's going to end up exactly how I want it, but I need to hear other people's feedback. And thankfully, there really wasn't much. And, you know, sure, that credit goes to me. But like I said, with this story, I was very, very, very confident in how I was going to portray it because I was there for lots of it. It went through a lot less revisions than a, a typical project would in a good way it was where we wanted to be. It was, you know, developing the emotions that we wanted an audience to feel. The pacing was good. One of the things that I love hearing uh, when Joe was doing Ariel Helwani, Ariel said, you know, it felt like 10 minutes had passed. And that's the best thing I could hear. You know, when you sit down and you watch a movie and you feel like it wasn't long, that you weren't bored. Um, And that's how I really tried to structure is move fast and keep you entertained. So hearing stuff like that, like, oh, it flew by, that's my favorite thing to hear.
0: I guess Joe. Every time you watch the the film, or how many times have you seen the film so far? Because you guys are doing like a, I'm sure the circuit with the whole festivals and everything.
2: <laughs> how yeah, many times have I, you seen I, it? I personally seen it, uh, I think five times now.
0: And every time you watch it, do you feel like you've learned something from it, or you gained something from it than the last?
2: I wouldn't say I learned something from it. I'm just reminded of my journey that sometimes I forget, you know, because I try not to look in the rearview mirror too much, but. It it reminds me of the emotion, of the grit, of the determination. And uh, sometimes you lose that when things get a little bit easier. I definitely don't lose the drive, I'll tell you that. But, you know, sometimes it brings me back to a a wholesome, special place to remember that I was a poor kid that was counted out. And and here we are. I'm not anybody special. I'm just a motherfucker that refused to quit. So uh, it makes me uh, thankful that I can look back on a piece, almost like a piece of history in my life. I feel proud of it.
0: And are there any words of encouragement or advice that you would offer a young person that's aspiring to be in your shoes since you've been through so much and such a, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, if if they want to be in my shoes as far as fighting, I would say it's, you know, be real with yourself. Don't lie to yourself in this sport because it's ugly. It's mean. uh, And it's it's a dark place when you lose. And uh, it's an unforgiving place, too. Nobody has sympathy for you in this game. Um, Not the way you would think. Anyway, I'll put it that way and uh it's not very rewarding it's not going to be rewarding even when you first get in the UFC it's not you know and I I simply say that because you won't make the desired money that you think you will make and that's absolutely okay it's just everybody starts at the bottom but uh make sure that if you're going to do this and you want to be in my shoes make sure this is something that you're willing to get up at any hour of the day to get better at and uh swallow your ego man go and drive at 4 a.m. to go meet somebody. If he's a coach that's worthwhile on the drive, then go go meet him. Going to pick up, always constantly evolve, constantly, and when I say evolve, if there's a coach that's better and you're learning and, and you feel like this guy's giving you the best tools and blah, 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 you know, go for it, but also have somebody that's able to mentor your career in the sport so you don't make the wrong decisions. Like I had, uh, you know, Sam Warpiza was a very big pivotal part in my you know, signing with my management and talking and being able to articulate my words and maturing and not sounding as i guess dumbfound like dumb I, I don't know what the other word is, but you know stuttering and shit like that, so he made me read or he made me watch things, told me you know if you want to get a message across and you want people to listen, you have to be somebody that's entertaining, you have to be somebody that's you know able to to articulate the message you're trying to deliver and I honestly, I don't have a filter whatsoever and I don't care if that's offensive. I just, I say what I feel. I say what I mean Uh, for the most part, you know, every time, you know, some from time to time people slip up, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would just say, make sure that this is something that you're passionate about and not something you're in love with the idea of, or else you're going to get a really harsh reality when you come and you fight some killers that are, you know, coming from a similar background like me, because it is very common, especially in the sport to fight a dog that is, you know, trying to find its next meal. If you're passionate about it and you love it, chase it. And who gives a shit what anybody else thinks? If this is in your heart, this is in your gut, go for it. Take it to the moon, man.
0: <laughs> Real quick follow up: Has any of your training taken place overseas in some of the Asian countries? Because a lot, a lot of a lot of UFC fighters will train with uh, Muay Thai experts overseas in certain areas of the country, of the world.
2: USA, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah.
2: All right, well, man. <laughs>
0: Uh, bro, you're so eloquent. I love it. I love it. And, and you're I'm proud, right
2: about yeah, that. That's, that's one thing I'll say. We're not allowed to walk with our flags. and I can't fucking stand it. I'm proud of my country. I'm proud to represent at a world-class level my fucking country. And I'll always be proud about that.
0: And Chandler, just to wrap up with you, same type of question. In the midst of uh, the rider strike, and AI taking over all the things that's, you know, going on in the whole film and TV world. What, I guess, because you released this project at such a, an amplified time with so much going on. What, you, what words of encouragement would you offer a person aspiring to be in your shoes and becoming a director or a filmmaker?
1: I said this before when I was talking with Joe. You can't be afraid to work for free when you are first started getting out. Because if you want to get paid to do this, if you want to get your name out there, you have to prove yourself and i feel like lots of what my career has been is okay if this person doesn't see value here let me do it anyway let me prove myself you know back in uh early college i was doing wedding videos for free so that i could show people that i could do wedding videos really well like everyone's got to start somewhere and with joe right when i got hired at the sports agency to work with championship ufc fighters I was able to show like, hey, if I was working with this championship fighter, look at what I did with Joe, who was a regional guy at the time. Now, obviously Joe's exploded past and we've been able to grow together, but you have to prove yourself. And, and that's what I feel like I've been able to do when given an opportunity to make a video on whatever it is, whether it's an advertisement, where it's a wedding video, I always wanted to make feature length films. So when it came to this project, You know, I've taken a lot of inspiration from Joe's story. You know, if you want to go after something, you can't have a plan B. I had a YouTube channel that was growing and and getting some subscribers. And I quit it when I had the opportunity to make this film because I was like, I'm not going to have time to do anything else. I'm going to have to go all in on this. And luckily, when you've been on yourself, lots of times it pays off.
0: Nice. Beautifully said. Because I know a lot of people, they always think that everything's come, you know, everything's comes so easy with (laughs) nepotism. not always that way is there anything else you guys the two of you wanted to uh share that we haven't spoke about
2: Um, i'm just excited for
1: people to watch it man
2: yeah uh you know expect to see it on a big platform you know alex davis is taking this thing with his team and running and uh trying to make it as big as possible in a way where as many people see it and it makes the most sense for me you know because let's not forget again i said this on the uh one of the other interviews like this is my one true story uh that i get to share one time um and a very genuine uh straight to the point way and uh it's also a vulnerable spot you know it's up for criticism there's always going to be that shit bag fucking turd out there that'll talk shit on it and that's fine I'm cool with that I'm open to that you know what I mean but you know I'm going to make it worth my while as well you know what I mean it's not about the money but it has to make sense too this is about making a mess uh delivering a message to you know the younger generation that is pretty much soft that, hey, you don't got to call it a quits. You don't got to give up. You don't got to go cry to your mommy, you know, pick yourself up and, and keep pushing, pick yourself up and believe in yourself, pick yourself up and put yourself around the right people. And the biggest thing, the biggest message that I want to deliver to people is you are who you surround yourself with Chandler. I know who he is as a person. I know his heart. I know who Sam or Pisa is as a person, what his heart is. I know my best friend, David Stevens. I know who he is as a person. None of these people have bad habits. Everybody's got their imperfections, but none of these people are out there doing fucking drugs or robbing people or stealing shit. And you know, I don't put myself around stuff like that. So if you can't if you can't be a smart enough human being in the world that we live in of people that don't care about each other and you can't figure out that putting yourself around people that do bad things is gonna make you end up in a bad spot, then you're destined for failure and uh, you don't deserve success. You know, success is hard. Success is, you know, not going out and doing bad things and drinking and doing drugs and being high all the time. You know what I mean? Like that's a bad choice, especially when you're a child, you're an adolescent, you don't need to do those things. You need to be in sports. You need to be good at school, real, really learn school, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my biggest message, you know, don't be a turd in this world. Give back.
0: Well, great guys. Thank you so much for stopping by and speaking to us. I really appreciate you. Three CC Magazine loves what you guys are doing. And um, I think we just standing for us and is a whole another platform of uh people like yourself who stand for something and who are transparent and who are inspiring others to do greater things and i think you you definitely should get your flowers <laughs>
2: thank you man thank you all right have a good one all right, all right, bro, you. Man. thank you